For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Isabel Jacobson. You're listening to Daybreak. Today, we cover women's water polo, the transition from certificates to minors, House Republicans' proposed one-year debt ceiling increase, and the sentencing of Putin critic Vladimir Kara Murza. It's Tuesday, April 18th. The Princeton women's water polo team has been splashing up a storm the past few weeks, with the Tigers having won 27 of their 30 total games in their best season since 2015. To hear more about the team's year so far, I sat down with assistant sports editor Haik Yangabarian. Just to start, can we get your name, your position on the Prince, and your class year? My name is Haik Yangabarian. I'm the assistant sports editor, and I'm from the great class of 2026. Can you tell me a little bit about the women's water polo games that occurred over the weekend? Of course. So, women's water polo traveled to Ann Arbor, Michigan over the weekend. They had three games, with the marquee matchup being against conference rivals Michigan on Saturday morning. The match was a very hard-fought match with back-and-forth goals, but ultimately the Wolverines pulled out a 7-6 win at home, tying Princeton for the number one seed in the Collegiate Water Polo Association, which is the conference that Michigan and Princeton play in along with Harvard, Brown, St. Francis, and Bucknell. After the loss, the Tigers had two more games in Ann Arbor, one on Saturday afternoon and one on Sunday morning. On Saturday afternoon, they played against the Bucknell Bison and they had a 17-6 win, a very convincing, comfortable win against a team that has not won a conference game this year. Heading into Sunday's matchup, they had to win that game against St. Francis to clinch the number one seed heading into the tournament and they did just that. They won 12-4 in convincing, comfortable fashion and now they head into the CWPA postseason tournament as the number one seed. Um, Are there any standout players that we should keep our eyes on? First year goalie Lindsay Lucas has been incredible on the season. She's kind of carried the leg legacy of great Princeton women water polo goalies with Ashley Johnson, I think, retiring or leaving Princeton in 2017 after accumulating over a thousand saves in four years and being an Olympic gold medalist for Team USA. After leaving Princeton, Lindsay has 288 saves on the season as a first year and she's kind of just been a defensive machine for the Tigers and really helped them in goal. A sophomore star Jovana Sekulic. She's one of the best players. She's an Olympian as well. She's kind of the glue of the team. She leads the team in goals. Um, There's sophomore Kayla Yelensky. She's also awesome. Uh, Rookie Shannon Davidson. She just won the CWPA Rookie of the Week. Overall, the team is very well balanced. Great system under head coach Derek Ellingson. And they're really building something special at Denunzio Poor. Last question. What can we expect from the Tigers for the remainder of the season? So since they clinched the number one seed, they actually clinched the number one seed because of goal difference so they played 10 games in conference play both Princeton and Michigan went 9-1 and one in conference play but since Princeton beat Michigan by two and only lost by one during the second game they hold the tiebreaker due to goal differential so they're going to be the number one seed heading into the tournament and they get a bye to the semifinals and the semifinals is going to be on April 29th the tournament itself is going to be April 28th through the 30th and it's actually going to be hosted at Princeton at Denunzio Pool uh, Princeton will play the winner of Brown and St. Francis it's most likely going to be Brown, so they'll be most most probably playing Brown in the semifinals. And Michigan and Harvard are most probably going to be the other semifinal matchup. And the likely scenario is that Michigan and Princeton match up for a third time again this season in the championship game of the tournament on April 30th at 12 p.m. And the winner of that game is going to get a bid to the NCAA tournament. And for the Tigers, they're going to be trying to get a bid for the first time since 2015. They lost in 2016 in the semifinals of the tournament to Michigan. They lost in 2017 
2017, 2018, and 2019 in the championship game to Michigan. And 2020 and 2021, the seasons were canceled due to COVID. They came back in 2022 and lost for a fourth consecutive time to Michigan in the championship game. So they'll be looking to beat Michigan finally and make it to the NCAA tournament for the first time in eight years on 30th. Thank you so much. Thank you. Last Friday, Princeton students got their first look at the new minors program with the initial release of nine approved minors that students may elect to take, beginning with the rising junior class. Minors feature some changes from the previous certificate programs, including dropping requirements to be interdisciplinary and a newly imposed cap of two minors, as opposed to an unlimited number of certificates. Associate Dean for Academic Advising, Cecily Swanson, claims that the guidelines are, quote, based on what's happening in the real world with students, unquote, which is that about 60% of the class of 2022 earned a certificate, but quote, very few students earned more than two. Associate Dean of the college, Rebecca Peoples, added that these guidelines should, quote, dial back the social pressure around potentially pursuing multiple certificates, unquote. One change made around this announcement of minors is the timeline for phasing out certificates. While the university had previously implied students would be able to earn certificates for, quote, several years, certificates will now be phased out entirely within the next two years. Yesterday, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy proposed a one-year increase of the nation's debt ceiling with a proposed set of conditions. These include reducing federal spending to 2022 levels, a cap of 1% on future increases in federal spending for 10 years, stricter work requirements for federal aid programs, and a reduction in energy regulations. In a speech he gave at the New York Stock Exchange, McCarthy insisted that a, quote, no strings attached debt limit cannot pass, unquote. The speech came amidst conflict with House Democrats and within the GOP itself about a roadmap for fiscal policy. The bill is unlikely to pass as proposed, given Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries' comments that characterized the GOP's handling of the debt ceiling increase as a, quote, hostage situation. Despite this, House GOP leaders aim to force the White House into negotiating spending cuts in exchange for a raise of the debt ceiling. In international news, Russian opposition activist Vladimir Karamurza has been sentenced to 25 years in a high-security Russian penal colony for charges linked to his criticism of the war in Ukraine. Karamurza played an important role in persuading the United States to sanction Russian officials for human rights abuses and corruption. Karamurza was sentenced for alleged treason, the spreading of, quote, false information about the Russian army and his affiliation with a, quote, undesirable organization. The suit was partly based on a speech he made to U.S. politicians last year, where he declared that Russia was committing war crimes in Ukraine with cluster bombs in residential areas. Kara Mirza's 25-year sentence was the maximum sought by prosecutors and is the longest sentence an opposition figure has received since the war in Ukraine began. According to the BBC, it only took minutes for the judge to rule on his case. Today, it will be cloudy with a high of 56 and a low of 38. That's all for Daybreak today. Today's episode was written by Vitus LaRue, Connor Kim, and Ketevan Shadia. Sound engineered by me and produced under the 147th Managing Board of The Prince. Our theme was composed by Ed Horan, class of 2022. For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Isabel Jacobson. Have a wonderful day.